Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. Well, bless God. Why don't we turn to Acts chapter 9. And uh, the title of my message this morning is The, the Ananias Factor. Um, I was out last night, so I didn't see the X Factor. I didn't see it. But somehow, I think I know what happened. They were all fairly good, and someone left at the end. Is that roughly, <laughs> roughly it? I'm amazing, aren't I? That's what you call a prophet of God. <laughs> Let me tell you, someone sang the wrong song for them. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I've got it. I know exactly what happened. Hallelujah. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks today. Jane Cavanna, everyone. Five o'clock in the afternoon, be there. Um, You'll get home for the X Factor. Now, I will. Acts chapter 9, the the Ananias Factor. If I had a subtitle for my message today, the subtitle for my message is, uh, The Church is a Terrifying Place. Can you say Amen. It's a very strange amen, isn't it? But coming to church can be quite a terrifying experience. So you know what happens in Acts chapter 9. You certainly know what happens in the first bit. What happens in the first bit is that the Apostle Paul, then generally known as Saul of Tarsus, is on his way to Damascus, as he arrives at the gates of um, Damascus, the Lord appears to him. Everyone with me? Knocks him off his horse, yes? Power of God, blasts him, knocks the S off his name and sticks a P there. Yes? And he's changed. And uh, let's stop. Not hermeneutically correct, but it'll it'll do for now. And the Lord touches him. And he has an encounter with God. But that's not the end of the story. And if the next bit that we're going to talk about today had not occurred, Saul of Tarsus would still be staggering around right now blind outside of the city of Damascus. I mean, he'd be a bit old now, but you you get the spirit of what I mean. We would find the bones of Saul of Tarsus outside Damascus right now, and there wouldn't be two-thirds of the New Testament in his name. And the reason why that didn't happen is because of the Ananias factor. 
So everyone happy? I want to read. So here goes, picking up after what has just happened. Now, where should we pick it up? Let's pick it up in verse 10. Are you with me? All those with me say aye. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he said. And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Just by the way, do you notice, he doesn't actually give him the exact address. Right, can you see that? It's like an Amazon uh, delivery. <laughs> in the evenings. Verse 12. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. Now, let me just, before we read it, let me give you my version. Lord, Ananias answered, no way. That's what he's about to say. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints. Ananias, just helping God out with some of the information that the Almighty has overlooked. I've heard a lot about this man and all the harm he's done to the Christians. And, 14, he's come here. <laughs> you know, you almost feel like God's going to say, has he? <laughs> He's come here with authority from the priests to arrest those who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument. Verse 17, then Ananias went. Aren't you glad? The Lord said, go, and he went. Go, and he went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said this, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me. So you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Can you see how important what he did was? How many of you really, really, really want the church to grow? Just wave at me. You really, really, really want it to grow. Yeah. And you want every church to grow everywhere. And here we see in a simple story how that occurs. It occurs by divine activity, absolutely essential. If God isn't growing it, it ain't growing, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And so the growth of the church is a divine activity. But it's not just a divine activity. It's a human activity because Ananias 
has to play his part. You see, Jesus has touched the man just as he's entering that city. But it's Ananias who has to take him from some sort of experience with Jesus that he doesn't really understand and bring him into the church. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, but only people baptize in water. Right? Everyone happy with that? And so we're the ones who bring people in to the fellowship of the church. We're the ones who help them to clean up. We're the ones who disciple them. Jesus is the one doing the supernatural things. He's the one touching people. But we're the ones, let me use this word today, consolidating what he has done. Right now, uh, you may be watching on Facebook or somewhere, the wonderful gospel crusade going on in Lagos. Anyone else watching that? Amazing stuff. And I just saw early this morning or late last night that something like 30%, 40% of the, of the money that goes into making such a crusade goes into the follow-up. Into the follow-up. Because to preach the gospel, but not to then integrate people into the church, said Peter Vandenberg last night, is nonsense. Right? We're here to make disciples, not have people make certain decisions. So I want us to notice today what Ananias does. Because that's our job. We know what Jesus does, but we can't do that bit really. But we can do what Ananias does. So let me give you, uh, there are three or four or five of these. Here we go. Number one, first of all, he had to be brave, didn't he? Didn't he? He had to be brave. Because Ananias thought of Saul as dangerous, didn't he? Scary. I want you to imagine that someone comes to J28 Church for the first time. It's absolutely terrifying to come to a church for the first time. If you haven't done it for a while, uh, perhaps I shouldn't say go do it because that sounds like I'm sending you to the Baptist church next week. But it's actually pretty terrifying I remember when Jane and I were dating, I used to drive to her home uh, quite regularly. It was about a 10-minute drive. And, uh, and on the journey, I used to drive by a little church. And I remember thinking to myself, every time I drove by it, oh, I wonder what it's like in there. And then one day, to cut a long story short, I could make this a good deal longer. But to cut a long story short, I thought to myself, I'm actually going to go. And so I pulled over and saw that the service was at six o'clock on a Sunday night. Well, our church at that time didn't have evening meetings. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go. Hallelujah. It's going to be great. So I drive there. And now I start thinking like a visitor starts to think. 
Although it starts at six, what time shall I arrive? Like, when should I go? Ten to or ten past? <laughs> Certainly not six. That's ridiculous, isn't it? So either I'm going to be early or I'm going to be a little bit late. So anyway, I decide I'm going to go bang in the middle and I arrive at six. When I arrive, I get out the car. It's a small building, not nothing like the size of this. But I get to it, a little sort of chapely building. And now I'm stood outside the door. I come to the door of the church. When I touch the handle, now there's something I don't know. I don't know if when I open that door, I'm in the room, right? Or whether there's a little, you know, glory corridor. Vestibule. I don't know. And so I'm stood at the door trying to use gifts of the spirit to see through the wood. What's beyond the door? As I'm touching the handle, listen, the, every word I'm saying is, is uh, true. I'm listening. Are they, are they singing? I want to go in when they're singing. I don't want to go in when they're not singing because they'll all see me. So I'm waiting for them to sing. There is no singing coming. I'm thinking it's not a lively church here. But maybe that's how it is. Maybe they just sit in utter silence. Or maybe there's just one man in there with a duck. You know, I don't know. I open the door. I go through the door. As I go through the door, glory to God, there's a vestibule. But now I face another door. It's like some sort of science fiction story now. What's beyond this door? I open the second door. And now I'm in. Now I'm in. But it's Sunday night, which means hardly anyone comes. <laughs> Other than when Jane Cavanna is preaching. You, can you say amen? All oh, right. Everyone signed up for that. And I can see you today. But when I come in, because it's Sunday night, they decide that the best place to hold church is the front row. So the entire congregation are on the front row. Um, really. And so I come in, but I think, I don't want to sit on the front row. Maybe that's only for members. So I sit on the second row. A lady turns around, looks at me and says, don't sit there. <laughs> And points to a seat in the front row. Sit there. <laughs> she reminded me of that Nazi captain from Dad's Army who <laughs> wrote names on the list. <laughs> Sit there. And then the preacher gave a little sermonette. But they had a really interesting thing they did there. Really interesting. I've never seen this done anywhere else. They read the text, and then you were supposed to sit for 10 minutes and think about what it might mean. Like, so we did the sermon in our minds. <laughs> you get that? That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, that's, maybe you should try that. So, but you might get a better sermon out of this morning if you did that. 
And then afterwards, the vicar, minister, pastor, whatever they are, elder, uh, was saying, now maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. And she's looking at everyone except me because, you know, those are the rules, right? She's here. Look, I'm the first visitor they've had since the Reformation, <laughs> aren't I? There's no way that she's not talking about me. Now, I found the whole thing a, a terrifying experience. And look at me. I'm confident. I was a senior pastor. I'm the Brian Blessed of the charismatic world. <laughs> and I was frightened to go in to a church. Now, here's the thing. Ananias is frightened, but Saul is blind. Saul is more frightened than Ananias. And so, here's the thing. Here's where we come in. There are people coming to the church next week, coming, coming tonight, coming in the next six months, and when they come, I mean, by the way, I, I analyzed everything here. It's great. You, you, you get welcomed up and all this, and you bump into a lion when you go to the loo. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine what I would have thought had I not known that he was coming in for the children? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry about him. Yeah, I mean, he comes to the church sometimes. <laughs> Does he always dress as like Always. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, not only that, he cleaned the suit this week. I realized sat in that meeting that day that I had no idea when it was going to end. No idea. No idea when it was going to end. No idea. Because I didn't know what the rules were. If you, if you have a think about that. You know when this is going to end. Don't you? When I get tired. <laughs> and I'm feeling pretty active at the moment, you know. But you know approximately when this is going to end. But if you knew, you don't know when it's going to end. And I remember what I did. I left the meeting. One of the first things I did, I got back to my church. And I immediately put on the screen in every service when it would end. Now, it never ended then. You get that. That was a lie. But it gave people a rough idea. But it was, every time you, you put a time, it's always, you know, bending. But... Uh, at least there was some idea. It was, it's like Lord of the Rings. It has several endings. You keep thinking this is the end and then it isn't the end. Be brave. Now you say, well, no, yeah, but I'm not very good talking to people. Well, train then. <laughs> you know, get, get, get used to it then. Get used to it then. You have to be brave. There are some people coming for the first time and you are going to be the church to them because they happen to be sitting next to you. And actually you are more important than the speaker. Many times. If you go and you have a problem with your 
I don't know, with your fridge, it is, and you go to curries or whatever to deal with it. I'm telling you now, uh, when you go to that shop, when you go, it's not, it's not Tesco. It's not, it's not the name of the department store. It's not the owner of the store that's really important. It's the person that serves you in that moment that's important, isn't it? Someone sold me car insurance this week. It's not the, it's not the managing director of jefferies.co.uk or whatever they're called, and I should be expecting 5% off for saying that today. <laughs> I feel like having a crash just to test that out. <laughs> it's not the managing director of Jefferies, it's the person who spoke to me on the phone that's really important. And very often we think people join a church because of whoever's speaking. Actually, that can be the very, very smallest of the details. It's the person who meets you in the car park that can be the most important person. It's the people on the door that could be the most important people. Can't it? As to whether you stay or go. I want you to think about, and maybe this won't be appropriate for everyone here today, but I want you to think about times when you left church. You, many times you left a church, and there, there may be a few people that this is true, and you didn't necessarily leave it because of the leaders. You left it because of something else that wasn't quite right. Or why you joined a church. Everyone wants friends, you see. So number one, I want you to be brave. People are coming. Jesus has touched them. But we're going to have to consolidate them. And your friendliness to them is going to be essential. Number two here, he had to be mobile. You think, well, this is so obvious. But he didn't just say, Ananias, I want you to pray about this, this guy. Love, will you just open this up for me? I, um, I'll do the same for you in two weeks. Thanks. He had to be mobile, didn't he? He had to get out of his bed. He had to leave his house. He had to go and find where the guy was. He had to be mobile. He had to move. Didn't he? And I... We're talking about today, I just used the illustration of who's sitting next to you. But there may be moments where you have to move. There may be moments where you have to see someone and go and connect with them, and it's going to involve movement. Now, I don't want to be mean about someone, but let me give an illustration without being too mean. I, I don't want to be mean. But I remember when I was first pastoring in a certain city that I won't mention, there was a lady, and um, we had uh, not quite what you did today, but a little bit of the let's all go around and shake hands thing. And um, it was normally, let's all go around and tell the house group leader why we're not coming this week. I mean, that's normally what that was about. And, uh, but this lady never moved. And sometimes I wondered if we got forensics in, whether there would be any trace of her DNA in any other place other than the doorway, the steps that she took to her seat, 
and the steps that she took to go out the door. It's like she was in one particular place. Now, there, there may be people who struggle with sort of anxiety issues, and I'm, just, I'm not making fun of that at all. There, you know, there may be reasons why some people want to sit on the aisle or some people want to sit near the door. I, I, I am aware of those sorts of things. But that, that wasn't the case here. And so she came to church in order to just receive. I'm here to receive love. But I want to tell you, if you'll give love, you're going to receive love. Right? You give a little love, and it all comes back to you. La, 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 la. That's Bugsy Malone I'm doing. Anyway. See, people are coming. The pastors won't be able to get to them. Very often when I was pastoring in Cambridge, uh, I would see new people come in and I wanted to get to them. But before I could get to them, there were six uh, Christians who'd been in the church for 30,000 years would just be in front of me, to, uh, you know, to tell me about their week, whatever. But my, but my heart was to just connect with, you know, I mean, how many of you love the story about leaving the 99 behind to, to go after the one? You love that story, don't you? Except most of you here today, let me tell you, you're in the 99 now. Right? Well, yeah, but I still feel that I am the one. No, you're not. You are not the one anymore. Right? You've been here since 1937. You are not the one. Right? You are not the one. What about if we all left the 99 behind and went after the one? Listen, there's a time for everything. I love talking to people. I love counseling people. I think God gives me gifts to help people in conversations. I love to talk to people. So I love, I feel that's part of my ministry. But on Sunday morning, that wasn't my ministry. On Sunday morning, I'm going after the lost sheep. Right? Whenever there's like a public meeting, I want to go after the one. And I have to leave the 99 behind. Listen, can I ask this? Will you please give your pastors permission to leave you behind just for that, just for that period of time to go after the one? Even better, ensure that they don't have to do that by you going after the one. Right? Number three, you see, not only was he mobile, but he had to be wise. He had to be kindred. What do I mean by that? Well, look, can you notice this? That when God wanted to reach a man, he sent a man. When God wanted to reach a man, he sent a man. We do not believe in flirt to convert. Some of the stuff that goes on in church, 
sometimes could definitely get Michael Fallon in trouble. I remember one time we went to a church, Jane and I, when we walked in, we'd never been there before, and was it the man on the door? It was a man on the door. He kissed her. Now that's very friendly, isn't it? Isn't that friendly? Lovely, isn't it? He kissed her. Now, thankfully, uh, she wasn't armed. <laughs> thankfully, she's a nice Pentecostal girl who understands that sometimes in church people have a kiss. <laughs> but what about if she had never been in church before and we walked through the door? Oh, come here, let me kiss you. <laughs> there are people who, right here in this country, have walked into church for the first time this morning. And someone has grabbed them, <laughs> told them it's lovely to see them, and kissed them. Now, there are some people who might like that. There are some people who might like that too much. There are some people who might like to do that to others too much. Can you say amen? Listen, you touch a woman's knee and you're in trouble 15 years in the future. Hello? And isn't it, uh, isn't it essential that we sort of know what people want? See, there are some people who would be quite moved that you smile at them and say hello to them. But then after that, they want you to leave them alone, don't they? Yes? So guess what you do? Leave them alone. Leave them alone. You don't frog march them to the third row <laughs> if they want to be on the back row. Actually, this is an area of huge sensitivity. When people are new, you have to work out what do they want. And I want to pray and believe that you're welcome, team, but not, you see, this is what I want to get away from, not just the people designated to do it. I mean, a welcome team is great, but you can end up with a scenario where, right, you four, you've got to be really nice this Sunday. But the rest of us will be our grumpy normal selves. Right? Like in a church I was running in paint, and they called them the happy chatters. They were a group of people who went around being happy and chatting to people who were new. Now, brother, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's a really good idea, as long as we understand that they are leading the way as welcomers, not the only people who are supposed to be welcoming anybody. But men with men, women with women. Normally, I mean, there may be moments where there's no other way. I've been a, I am a male. Did you know that? <laughs> I mean, we have the lights on. It's fairly obvious. I, so, so, it, uh, so, and I've been a pastor for 20 odd, odd years. And so there are times when I will, of course, talk. I will talk to women. I will. I will. If you're a woman today, I will talk to you. <laughs> right? I'm not likely to grab you and kiss you. That's not likely. But I will, uh, so, so what I'm saying is, of course, 
We're not going to have a story where men and women are separated across the room. I don't, of course we don't mean that. But what I'm saying is this. If a guy comes into a church and four beautiful early 20 girls show him around the building, he's going to think that Christmas has really come early. Right? And, uh, and, um, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Can you say amen? Yeah. So here's what happens. Number one, he has to be brave. Number two, he has to be mobile. He also has to be smart. He has to be smart. Number four, this is the one I thought we were coming to uh, earlier. He had to take responsibility. Do you notice that when the Lord uh, calls him, we, we hear that in Damascus, it says, there was a disciple, verse 10. There was a disciple. Uh, he, he wasn't on the leadership team. He wasn't one of the happy chatters. He wasn't on the welcome team. He wasn't playing the lion. We don't know what he was. All we know was that he was willing to say yes to the Lord. He was willing to uh, not just get from the church, but give to the church. Not, we're not talking about money. We're talking about his time, his skill, his love for God being poured out in expression of being compassionate about people. Do you know, you can only be passionate about God. You can't be compassionate about God. You can only be compassionate about people. And you can only really be compassionate about people when you're really passionate for God. So when the more you get passionate for God, the more you'll feel compassion for people. That's how it works. The, the uh, book of John says you can't say you love God and not like your brother, can you? And so one of the signs of a growing church, maturity now, is that actually what should happen is every time you come together, every person in the room, should sort of be aware of new people. And is, is this person, maybe they're seeking Jesus. Maybe they're not really a Christian. Maybe they've been a Christian for years. But even people who've been Christians for years need you to welcome them in. But everybody, not just special teams, not just preachers, not just those hired today to do this, but everybody. That's how it's going to work. And one more here. He had to be family. Is that right? Is that the last one I've, I've got on this uh, sheet? He had to be family. What do we mean by that? Well, I want you to notice what happened. When the Lord first spoke to him about Saul, he said, Lord, I have heard many reports, verse 13, about this man. This man? I've heard all sorts of things about him. He's a rogue. He's a villain. He's dangerous. He's not the sort of person we want in our church. But then when he goes to see him, after the Lord has touched him, after the, his passion for God has turned into compassion for people, what happens? He arrives, and do you remember what he calls him? Anyone remember? 
brother Saul. Brother Saul. What a turnaround, huh? What a turnaround in three or four verses. Brother Saul. You remember the story of the of the lost son? There was a character in that parable that didn't want to say brother anything. Do you remember? <laughs> in Luke 15, when that elder brother is moody, he says these very words in the Greek text of Luke 15. He says, but this son of yours, when he speaks to his father. He doesn't call him his brother, but when this this son of yours comes back here. See, there was a guy who really didn't want the church to grow. There was a guy who didn't really want to give anything up so that the family could expand. How would you love it if you couldn't park here anymore because it got so big? How would we be saying, Brother Saul? <laughs> would we be saying that? What about if the church got so big that your involvement in certain things had to be changed because lots of other people were good at what you do? Would that be okay? What about if the church got so big? I noticed this when we were in Cambridge. When I first went there, it was just 30 sort of people. We used to say 40, but that's because we were just all liars. Uh, we always had 10 on. Um, but it was really 30, 32, 33 of people brought their pets. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, so, oh, yeah, how big is it? Oh, it's about, it's about 40. You know, you, 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 like, you, you've included the policewoman who looked through the door at one point in the meeting. <laughs> and what I noticed was this. As we, as we began to grow... And we did really, really grow. I found some of the some of the thirty started getting a bit edgy with me. Why? Because they they didn't see me so much, and they became like what can often happen in a family when another child is born, and the first child born doesn't get the same attention, and it creates all sorts of problem. Listen, don't be like that. Yes? Don't be like that. Well, I always sit in this seat. Well, Brother Saul is sitting in it now. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't know if he really is. He is Brother Saul. He had to be family to that new person. People are looking for families. They're not looking for clubs. People aren't looking for the best music. They're not. People aren't looking necessarily for the best facilities. They're not looking for the best toilets in town. They're not. People aren't looking, people aren't looking for the best chairs. And this is something that I regret to tell you, but it's true. They're not even looking for the best preachers. But everyone's looking for family. Everyone's looking for a place to belong. There are churches up and down the land, and everything's black and white, beige, wallpapers coming off the wall. 
the worship team are singing in one key and the, and the keyboard player in another key. Right? The preacher can't really string two sentences together. But everyone's early and you can't get rid of them. Because family has been created in that church. There's nothing to do with all the other things. It's not to do with all the other things. All the other things help. But people are looking for family. Will you be family? Like, are you a family? Do you have the open-heartedness? And not to announce about a closed family, but about an open family. That says, I want this church to grow. I don't mind if in three months from now, there's a whole lot of people here who I don't know. I don't mind to number myself among the 99. But in certain contexts and times, has to be sort of left behind in order to reach that which is new. You'll have your time. I promise you'll, you'll have your time. But it's time maybe to go after the one. So I guess today I want to say this to you. In the, and I'm, I'm drawing to an end. In this story, there is clear divine activity. But you can see that it's not enough, can't you? Let me go back to what I said. Saul would still be stumbling around outside the city of Damascus today if Ananias hadn't played his part. And why would you want to do any of this? Why would you feel that you've got to be brave or be mobile, come and be part of the team? Everybody, why would you want to be kindred or wise or be family? Why, why would you want to take responsibility? Why would you do all this? Well, the answer is simple. And it's in the words of Ananias to Saul when he meets him. He says this in verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent. The Lord Jesus has sent me. Some of you, if I talked about evangelism, uh, your blood pressure would start going up and you'd be afraid and whatever. I'm just talking about fishing inside the boat today. Yes? We're just talking about fishing inside the boat. There are some people here who've got the, who've got the guts, who've got the boldness, who've got the touch of God, to be much more forthright in evangelism. But for those who are a little more timid and need to grow in that area, and you'll, you'll grow in that, but for those who at this moment are a little more timid, can I encourage you to help fish inside the boat? You don't need water wings to do that. You just need a little net. There are fish even inside the boat that you can sweep up in your net. People are looking for a family. 